You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We've been taking time um, in our Sunday meetings recently to answer our questions. We've been collecting questions for a couple of months, and so our messages all across our church, um, we're just one congregation here in South Philly, but we're also in Jersey, Frankfurt Ave, and West Tobelhocken up in Germantown. So um, in all the congregations, we've been asking questions because we really feel strongly about dialogue. Dialogue keeps us connected and protects our gravity. And so we're working things out, like even here in a meeting like this, we're, we're, we're doing this together. We're discerning God's word and how to apply it together. And we, we really could do it another way. You know, we could um, act like the leaders have all the answers or something, <laughs> even though um, I'm not sure who would believe that. But um, we could try to do that. But the truth is that we feel that Jesus is the answer and that he lives among us and he's going to keep directing us together. And that happens best when we talk to each other. So after I talk for 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a time to talk back. And so if you want to say something, I hope you do. Um, the question for today that someone asked is that is how do I know the difference between my intuition and God speaking to me? And this is what Ray um, was was saying uh, was getting out about listening a, a couple minutes ago. How do I know the difference between my intuition and God speaking to me? I think this is such a good question. I I think we all have probably asked it in one way or another as we're making big decisions and little decisions like is this is this me um or is this god and and does it matter and what's the difference i'm going to give you my answer straight off the bat and then spend some time um trying to back it up i think we don't often know the difference between our intuition and god speaking to me to us. Sometimes we do, but we don't often know because I think they are quite connected. We are connected. Um, they, the two are connected to the same source. And I, so I think we're really talking about discernment, the process of discernment in this question. Um, and we can get better at the process of discernment. So I think it's a good one. Um, but ultimately, it, it involves seeking and trusting the source of our power. So that's where I hope we land here today. Um, I think we are like volcanoes in a good way. Um, this is Mount Rainier in Washington State. But I'm thinking we're like volcanoes because our intuition and our Holy Spirit awareness both come uh, from, from the, our depths. We have some depths to us, all of us. Um, and they're both in there together. We have this power, even though we may often feel powerless. And, and the Bible says it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the word, the word of God is very near to us. Um, we don't have to go like up to the heavens or like to some other country. Um, it's happening in you. 
And there, there's not many things that are repeated in both the Old Testament and the New. So this seems like a, like a message we, that, that God probably wants us to know, that the word of God is near to us. God is actually happening in you. I put Mount Rainier up there as our exemplary, exemplary volcano because it's one of, uh, apparently it's one of the more powerful ones in the world, there's lots of volcanoes, but um, the scientists say if this one erupted again, um, it would be kind of catastrophic. And the reason I know this is because I, I tried to go there with my family last summer when we were taking a road trip. And we were traveling uh, with Jeff's cousin, who's a volcanologist. Like she literally got her PhD in volcanic studies and she won't go to this national park <laughs> she will not get near it um because of things that i don't understand beneath the surface um and maybe she's overreacting but um apparently if it would erupt um it would the the damage would be so bad because of what are they called um lahars, the lahars that would be created from these huge amounts of glacial ice that would start melting right away as it's rumbling, and so it would cause these giant, fast-moving slurries of, of, like, water. It would be kind of like torrential flooding. So it wouldn't actually be just the lava, the hot lava taking people out. It would be, you know, affecting everything else in the environment. All that to say, you are happening. Um, not, not in that destructive way, per se, but I think there's a lot of intuition and spiritual power, at least potentially, at play in you, often beneath the surface. Um, so I think it's really worth talking about this question that implies, how do I know uh, where it's coming from and how I should direct it? how God wants me to direct it. So sticking with the volcano metaphor, um, it might be helpful to think about the, this, that distinction between intuition and God speaking with this other volcano that is in, outside of Mexico City, Pococatapetl. And uh, our pastor Ben was talking about this recently. Um, so he inspired me because recently, uh, earlier this year, it, it erupted, but just in the form of smoke and ash and, you know, made people really worried that there it is erupting for real a couple of years ago. Um, but I think it might work well for this metaphor. Um, if you can go with me on the metaphor of like intuition versus God speaking, um, I'm thinking the, the, the smoky eruption, we might compare those to like the, the intuitive moments we have, like um, when we wonder if we should get the car looked at because it's, something's gonna go wrong soon, and then it does. Or um, like I started listening to Mumford and Sons before they got famous and I thought these guys are gonna get famous and then they did. Um, or like maybe I should apply for that job. You know, I'm feeling strangely attracted to this 
line of work, and I don't really know why. That's, that's an intuition. Um, and we might compare the moments of God speaking to us um, as more of those, uh, those bright eruptions that are so out of the ordinary that you just know there's something beyond happening here. Um, like one of my cellmates was describing to me yesterday how when we were praying this week at the end of our meeting, she had this thought that was so beyond what she would normally think on her own. She felt like it was God like sending her a direct message. Um, I think we often long for those like clear words from God, right? Um, even though they're often shocking and they're hard to actually do. Um, but these two scenarios like feeling the intuition and having a direct message from God are all over the Bible. Um, so I want to explore with you, I want to explore a couple examples with you because I think, like, hopefully to make the point that they're both really useful: our intuition and these direct words that we feel like we get from God. Um, because we're talking, what we're talking about is this process of discernment. And we use this word so much around here. I think it's it's important to actually once in a while talk about, well, what is discernment actually? Um, it's a spiritual gift that we try to apply all the time. We spend a lot of time in August thinking about spiritual gifts. Discernment is one of the gifts given to the body of Christ um, that I think we all we all have access to. I think some people are better at it than others but we all can do it. And it's about this process of finding spiritual wisdom by, text, by testing things out. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says to test the spirits, whether they are of God or of human or satanic origin. And that's you know kind of intense language, but I want to affirm the idea right off the bat that there is evil. Um, there is evil in the world, and when we get into this spiritual realm, we are probably going to run into it. Sometimes it's in the form of ideas or philosophies or systems even um, that are not of God. And so we, we need to do this work of thinking, of, of testing things out. Um, and I think we would be wise not to minimize um, this supernatural realm like we're taught. I think we're really taught in... Western modern culture to to dis, to push that stuff to the side because we're so um, we've either seen like abuses of it in the church like like televangelists doing strange things or um, we're just steeped in this enlightenment thinking um, that is all about the the rational and the scientific which is great but think we're here because we know that the supernatural um, is real too. It doesn't need, it should not be minimized or avoided even when we don't understand it. Um, so I think we're resisting some of that when we actually go for discernment. 
And again, it's happening in both smoky and fiery ways all over the New Testament. So here are some examples. When Paul runs into the sorcerer, Elamas, in the book of Acts, um, he resists him with this like fiery word from the Lord. It's kind of like his Holy Spirit awareness just kicks right in. And he knows that this guy is like not out for everybody's good, and he oppose he he exposes him really. Um, it's like a call out <laughs> culture kind of moment. And similarly, when he's talking to the Corinthians about how the wisdom of Christ is different from the wisdom of the world, um, he's he's being fiery. He's kind of drawing lines in the sand and saying these two things are not alike. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about that in our um, in our next season called things that Jesus never said. Um, but the same thing is happening in First Corinthians thirteen. You know the love chapter that gets read at weddings um, and kind of gets minimized into this mushy kind of sentimental romantic love. I think it's actually a, a fiery moment for Paul when he's talking about um, the thing behind the thing, the reality behind things. Um, like you, you, um, it's kind of a call to look beyond the appearance um, into what is really happening. Somebody might sound, something might sound angelic, but if it doesn't have love, it's empty. What's going on? It, it won't produce fruit. Um, so the fire of the spirit gets us to the deeper reality of things. It's it's like piercing vision. On the other hand, I think smoky or not completely on the other hand, um, but smoky moments um, often use objective things that we already know about God to be true and um, apply it. And I think there's a lot of intuition involved in that process. Like when Simon Magus, this other guy in the New Testament, he tries to buy the Holy Spirit. He he offers the Peter uh, money, like thinking, like saying, like or thinking, I want what you guys have. Um, Peter's like, no way, it doesn't work like that. And he doesn't need any like new revelation from God to get to that response. He just he just knows. Um, or in John 4, when John is trying to give his disciples a litmus test to how to respond to one of the prevailing philosophies of the time um, where people were coming in and saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh, Gnosticism. He was saying, if people come, here's a litmus test. If people come to you saying that, they're not, they're, they're missing something. They're not coming with the truth. Um, so, so watch out. And there are things, I think there are things that we can know in our context like that. Like I was thinking, um, our culture might uh, imply that we could get everything we need spiritually just through our smartphones these days, right? Um, when, on our own, when I would say, no, we need to be connected to the body of Christ. We need to be doing this thing together. Um, to learn how to care for others who are part of the body. You know, it's beyond the individualism we're steeped in. 
So there are lots of other ways in the Bible that the Bible writers were applying their intuition. Um, uh, like making a decision based on accepted tests, like, you know, you, you know a tree by its fruit. Um, a good tree bears good fruit in Matthew. Or when Paul is writing to, Thess- to the Thessalonians, to, sorry, to the Thessalonians, he's saying um, the you know the glory of God was even revealed through suffering. Like nothing can like nothing can hold us back. This is how it works. You know we can build on this. And and I'm thinking that our when hopefully when our stakeholders meet on Saturday, we're gonna apply. We're going to build on what we've been given too. We're going to apply our intuition and what we've learned and say, this is how it, this is how it works. This is how it has worked before and this is how we want it to work in the future. Um, we can also look at what is practiced elsewhere. Um, thinking of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. They, the, the early church learned that, so they thought, well, let's spread that. Let's spread that word and like, let's apply it to other contexts. Peace, peace can happen in other places. Lots of learning from previous experience, even, even in the early church, like um, Paul says to the Philippians, live up to what you've already obtained. In other words, don't forget where you came from. You've already discerned some things. You don't have to like reinvent your spiritual wheel every day. Like build on what God has already given you. Um, so before we get away from the volcanoes here, I just want to add that I think there are potential um, pitfalls of both of these ways of knowing. Um, on the fire end, Strong feelings forcefully expressed are not necessarily discerned. I'm going to say that again because I need to remember this as a sometimes fiery Italian. Strong feelings forcefully expressed are not necessarily discerned. Just because you can spew out some lava doesn't mean that it's from God. Um just because you get excited about something, you know, doesn't mean it's from the Lord. You might just be excited, and that's okay. There are pitfalls to the rational, intuitive side, too. Um, I, think, I think some of us have a really keen insight into human nature. Um, I think that's, that's really good, but that could keep us skeptical and questioning, um, Caution is really from God, I think, but if we're stuck in the past, like always thinking about the way it worked before, we might miss some of the possibilities, some of those supernatural possibilities that God might uh, have on the horizon so we could miss the revelation. We're called to live off the good that is given, and I think a sure way to do this, I know it's the wrong season, um, is to run the bases. Um, we talk about this a lot in Circle of Hope. The bases of revelation, we've just kind of narrowed um, narrowed them down to creation, the Bible, the scripture, the body of Christ, which is the church uh, trans-historically and all over the world, 
we learned from that as well as our local body here together. Um, and then finally, you, your intuition, everything you've gone through in your life, um, everything you know in your personal experience. That's one of those bases of revelation too. I think, especially in this individualistic culture, we're, ten we're so prone to like hang out on one, one of these bases. Um, I know I could just stay at creation all day long and just, you know, camp out under the stars. But the reality is I need the body of Christ. Um, I need to read the Bible to understand the fullness of who I am and who God is and what God is calling us to. So running the bases helps us to discern, to discern. Another way um, that we exercise discernment is by connecting to people who have it. And I know you guys are here, so like you're doing it. Um, but I think often in the United States, people feel ashamed if they don't just have all the answers, if they don't just know everything already, because it's supposedly at our fingertips. But I think um, the, the Bible writers are kind of turning that upside down all the time and saying, no, this is like following Jesus is a group project. We need each other. Um, and some people have more discernment than others. You don't need to know all the answers. You're not the, actually the master of your destiny. Um, following Jesus is a group project. And I, I hope your cell, I think our cells can be like really valuable in that process together. I think the Bible writers are trying to bring the, the smoke and the lava together in, in lots of what they're doing. And this um, word from Paul brought it to me especially. Um, so the one who speaks in a tongue, he's speaking about another spiritual gift, which is kind of a, um, a personal love language with God, a, a real intuitive thing. The one who speaks in a tongue should should pray to be able to say the same thing in clear speech. If I pray in a tongue, see my spirit prays, but my mind re remains fruitless. Why is that important? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind as well. He's trying to wed that, the fiery heat with the smoke and the ash, saying, I think he's saying, don't divide yourself up either within yourself or from the rest of the body. Um, and I think the world is generally going to push us toward that rational and cerebral. Um, but we have something from the Lord that is not just rational and normal. And so discernment, I think, for us is a lot about learning to trust that spiritual intuition, that God is speaking to us even in our intuition um, as the source of our power. And this is kind of where I land every time um, when I think about this, because I think the heart that with, with this, there is a lot we can do and should do to discern. Um, it's a really active process, I think, running those bases. But I keep coming back to um, Jesus's words to his disciples to abide, abide in me. Um, 
it's not just um, the dude, the big Lebowski that gets that word. Um, God is calling us into a relationship of trust, a secure attachment um, so that we might eventually not have to worry so much whether this is coming from our intuition or directly from God speaking. Um, as a former counselor, um, I learned a lot about attachment theory. I'm sure you've heard of it too. And it, it's, uh, it's really about like the ways that we um, grew up with our earliest caregivers, whether or not we, formed, we, we, we got to form a secure attachment um, if our caregivers really paid attention to us and were there like in crucial moments. Um, I don't know anybody that has a perfectly secure attachment, by the way. So I think this is a spiritual path. But attachment theory talks about how if you don't have a secure attachment, you, you grow up connecting with God, trying to connect with God and others in these anxious ways, either anxious ambivalent, where you're kind of, you're kind of back and forth. You're not sure if you can trust or you're, um, anxious avoidant. You do a lot of running away when it's like the fight or flight moments. I think, I think what God is, is calling us to in this, or what Jesus is calling us to in this whole like vine metaphor is this, he's calling us into this secure attachment with himself, um, saying, just stay with me. I'm right here. I'm not ever going to leave you. I'm, I'm in you. I, I'm working in you. I created you. I'm looking out for you in millions of ways. Um, I think that that is the call. Um, but it's not easy. I think this, this concept, this idea of abiding um, is probably going to take us a lifetime to learn because we want to do we want to do the anxious ambivalent or anxious avoidant thing all the time and the world gives us lots of ways to do that. Um but I really love the symbol, especially Chinese symbol for patience down there because I think I think this is part of this call to av- abide. Um the Chinese symbol for patience is a is a knife, a sword actually over think it's they they are saying something really wise about attending and being patient with the difficult stuff um abiding waiting um not th- this process of uh, of discernment i think requires um staying when we might be tempted to uh jump into some compulsive decision, I think often um, the call is to pray, to talk to others, to keep working it out in community, to look in the Bible, um, to run those bases. I'm also reminded of how I think this call to abide kind of goes to the last, um, our last symbol for the way of Jesus, which is that ocean of grace. 
I think that's I think that's where we can land um, as we make decisions in the trusting the buoyancy of God. It doesn't mean that things aren't hard or going to be hard. It means that God is with us here and moving us somewhere. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, reality is ultimately gracious, and God can be trusted. So our call is to wrestle with mystery, to seek, and to seek again, to seek to know God with our whole life. And I think um, that might help us to know that God um, is actually in our intuition, too, and to be guided there. Let me pray, and then let's talk back. I want to hear your stories. Jesus, um, we do have a lot of just important, difficult decisions um, often at our fingertips, and um, it really matters what we do because we matter and you matter. I pray that you would help us um, to do that work, that very active work of seeking you and um, running those bases for the revelation that we need, that we have in you. And I also pray that you would help us to trust and to rest that you are right here with us in, in the middle of our very experience with exactly what we've got, with exactly the people that we've got, um, even when it's difficult. Thank you for that um, assurance that is available in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.